that safe would have to have some definitely some good encrypted whatever software because we'd certainly try to break right. in even though we knew that Trey has said <laughs> there's going to be the next Aaron Donald in that 24 draft. I guarantee you we try to break into that safe. All right, listen up, everybody. I understand your obsession with takeout and fancy brunches and late night delivery. Luckily, so does today's sponsor. Food lovers meet the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Now, with this credit card, you get four times the points on restaurants, deliveries, takeout orders, and dine-in brunches, lunches, or dinners. Plus, Altitude Go gets you two times the points on groceries. Yes, even delivery, streaming services, and gas or EV charging station pit stops. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply and learn how you can earn 20,000 bonus points. You deserve a credit card that gives you more and more and even more. You deserve Altitude Go, NerdWallet's 2022 Best of Awards winner for Best Credit Card for Dining Benefits. Apply to become an Altitude Go cardholder at usbank.com slash altitude go. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated. Some restrictions may apply. Hey, everybody. What's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History. Look, when you're not playing football, obviously the busiest time of the non-playing calendar year is right around the draft. You have your GM, your head coach, your coaching staff, your player personnel guys, your talent evaluators, all making sure you take the right picks, especially with those precious first rounders, except for our guest in this episode, and that would be Rams GM, Les Snead. They don't believe in first round picks. Well, that's not exactly right. They don't believe in using them. They believe in trading them for something what they consider to be a little more valuable, a proven commodity. They're on a run where they will go without a first round pick for seven straight drafts. So how did they manage to win a Super Bowl by not taking first-round picks? Well, I'll let Les Snead explain it. Please enjoy this conversation with Rams GM of the Super Bowl champion Rams, Les Snead. Well, first of all, before we go anywhere, let me just say the Rex specs. I love them. You're going full Kurt Rambis youth here with what you're wearing. I mean, you're embracing the L.A. championship lore. Did he have like a Band-Aid, though? Did he? Yeah, he did. I need to bring that back. I mean, that, yeah, well, that might could work in L.A. <laughs> it worked for him in the 80s, and they say everything is cyclical. So You know, there's uh, a lot absolutely. of 80s radio stations in L.A., so yeah. it seems like 80s are a big thing around here. It was a very good time to be a Laker fan in the 80s. There's no question about it. And the Dodgers won a World Series as well. So speaking of championships in L.A., describe for me the difference this offseason for you being the GM of the team that won the Super Bowl as opposed to being the GM of the team three years ago that lost the Super Bowl? This is a lot better. I think that's that's obvious <laughs> Adams, right? Uh, if I were to – you know what's very interesting about losing it is you're, psychologically you're always trying to calibrate, okay, let's just say winning an NFC championship, going to the Super Bowl, right, no matter how many years – you're in the NFL, that's going to be one of your better years, right? That's just yeah. that's just how the math works out. But it's such a hollow feeling because there's an element of, of regret of, okay, we were skiing for the gold medal and we ended up with the silver, right? Which at the end of the day, if you're a skier winning a silver medal is pretty damn good. 
but yeah. you were skiing for the gold. So the loss of version there outweighs uh, the gain. So I, I, and then there's that element that I think that's interesting is usually in sports, there's a next game that there's a chance you can right heal all your wounds by just winning the next game. And you forget about the loss the week before then there's no game. And then I think there is an element of Holy cow to truly uh, exonerate this wound we got to climb to the top of the mountain and actually, you know, finish the game off, which is, it's not just winning. It's not just going on a four game winning streak, right? It's actually getting there again and winning. So that's, that's the, that's the losing that game is tough emotionally. Uh, There is an element where you do get over it in terms of just pure pain where, wow, how can a human body still be like, I call them high class problems, right? Everyone should have that problem, but it's still real. And then the, the, I think the element now of winning it is is it's very fulfilling and it's pretty cool. It's fulfilling because of uh, all. I mean, it's you. It's interesting. I always look at it this way: you just look at different people in the building who've been around, who've been a part, who played a role, and you're like, "Wow, I'm jacked." You know, I'm jacked. Our VP of athletic performance could could accomplish this. I, I'm jacked Aaron Donald. I mean, the, the way Aaron Donald was celebrating after that game, every everyone should experience that. I think John Madden said it, right? It's the highest of it's the highest high you can have in football. So that's a long answer. Yeah. No, it's a good answer though. And one, I did not expect a skiing reference from someone from Eufaula, Alabama. So that caught me off guard. Yeah, we did not we went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee to ski when you were in Eufaula. So I don't think many real skiers say, hey, let's Let's go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee to do our skiing. I, I actually have skied in Gatlinburg, so it's it's not terrible. But the, the other thing that made it worse last offseason is that you were trying to, and this is one of my favorite stories ever, you were trying to get away from everything on the beautiful island of Lanai, and you're sitting there at the, uh, at the pool bar restaurant, and I happen to sit down right next to you. And the worst part about it was, I didn't recognize you because you had the baseball cap on backwards and I didn't see the famous Les Sneed hair. You know, that, that was probably intentional, right? If you're trying to get away, go incognito. So I would say uh, coincidentally, maybe maybe even ironically, uh, if uh, I was trying to get away after the Super Bowl loss then, uh, still went to Lanai and still spent every yes. afternoon at that same pool bar. Uh uh, chatting with uh, Matthew's name, who's the bar? He was the bartender yeah. then, bartender now, and yep. so at that point, maybe mourning or trying to recover, and uh, this time maybe uh, celebrating a little more. Yeah, it was so funny. I, I remember sitting down next to you, and you said to me, "Man, I can't get away from it." And I'm like, "Dude, what are you talking about?" He goes, "Yeah, Tom Brady jersey over there. You here?" I'm like. I have no idea what you're talking about. And then you said, Trey, it's less. I'm like, I felt like the biggest idiot of all time. But your your signature hair, I mean, there aren't many GMs that have a Twitter account named after their hair. So I, I take a little comfort that that I was a little thrown because I didn't see the flowing. I totally, totally understand. As as we age the hairs, I've gone with the shorter look now. So I think, yeah. you know, that's not good for the Twitter account. It's probably losing. It's probably been deleted. Can't well, speak. no, it's still there. I, I actually checked. It's still there. Not real active these days, no. but 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 it's still there. Um, so this has been a weird offseason for you guys, even though you won the Super Bowl. It was almost like immediately after the Super Bowl, you had to worry about whether or not your head coach, Sean McVay, was going to leave for the television booth. What what did you make of, of that story when you heard that might be a possibility? Well, hey, Sean and I are very close. So, uh, you yeah. know, we chatted about that. I, I mean, 
interestingly, it's one of those there's because Sean and I are close and even because, you know, with Stan, with Kevin Demoff, our team president, Tony Pastor is our, you know, vice president of football operations. We're, we're very close uh, off the field. So we could joke about it. And, and there was not a lot of drama. It was just, wow, that's a yeah. that's an interesting opportunity that not everyone. Right. Not everyone's invited to to sit in that seat. So there's a compliment yeah. there based on uh, Sean's success on Sunday afternoons, Monday nights, Thursday nights, what have you in the NFL. But and also right because of the, the guy and the personality that he has that does probably carry over to coaching football, how he uh, relates to right younger players, how he how he's able to keep uh, everyone's attention in, in, in team meetings and get get important messages across and things like that. So definitely, uh, definitely a compliment to him to have that opportunity. Definitely, probably a, a temptation based on uh, right the uh, you know the, the probably the the uniqueness of of that position. But at, at Sean's heart, uh, he's a football coach. I don't think he felt like he was through coaching football wouldn't be surprised at some point you know he pulls the old john madden and sure and goes to the television booth but i i through it all it was like hey sean what do you really want to do and he says i, I just I can't, I can't leave this yet i can't leave the people the players matt's matthew stafford you know the, the guys that that you know we signed up to you know try to do some special things with yeah it would have been weird like i look everybody do your own thing i have no problem with it but for him who's been such you know like you said football guy to him leave at this point would have felt a little strange it, that is so, interesting speak- trey in in obviously yeah. right when john did it you know he had gotten fired in tampa so okay go do monday night football and maybe he did some other things before monday night football right but kind of right. i don't remember because i was younger right the the john madden story but it seems like everybody has always, you know, said that he maybe walked off stage early and and went to the television yeah, yeah. booth and, and never looked back. But you may you may you may know the history of the John Madden, but it, it's been a long time, probably in the modern era, right? Where, right, right, you know, it, it would be like Nick Saban after his first national championship going and and partnering with Curb Herb Street in the group, right? It, you know, it would have seemed early. Yeah. So, so where are we on, on the idea of like uh, uh, we have a new contract in place for Sean? Is that coming? Yeah, that is. Soon? I mean, where, definitely. Where are we on that? Uh, I know he's he's working through that with us, with with Kevin, our team president, with Stan. So that that'll be he's earned that, and that'll be coming in the near future as they figure things out. Well, you, you mentioned Matthew Stafford. You got him signed. I, I'm assuming that was the first and foremost thing you wanted to get done, and, and that seemed like it came together pretty quickly. Yeah, that, you know what? That was, you know, uh, it was definitely a big rock along. You know, we 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 wanted to look internally with Matthew, even Aaron Donald, uh, and, and even Cooper Cup, some of our pillars, and, and hey, did they earn raises, and, and can we come to a win-win scenario where, right, we – figure out a, a solve that, that helps them, right, get the money that they have earned, right, in terms of raise. We've done that historically here, but also 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 make sure that, hey, as a team, we can still build a team around them so that uh, we can still accomplish things together. You know, the we being greater than the me, not necessarily the me's aren't important, but the Rams sure. won the Super Bowl and it, it took a lot of people to do it. So that's kind of been our, our goal along, along with, uh, addressing, as you said, some of the players whose contracts were actually expiring, 
uh, and in that right. being Von Miller. But early in the down, a little bit less sexy, you know, being able to to sign uh, or re-sign Joe Noteboom, who we drafted a long sure. time ago to be uh, Andrew Whitworth's heir apparent. It's just Andrew kept playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. But Joe had played enough sparingly over time that we felt like he was he was the heir apparent there and, and re-sign our center, Brian Allen. You mentioned Aaron Donald. I mean, there was that bombshell report in pregame that, you know, Rodney Harrison sort of put out there that he's thinking about maybe retiring. Had you heard any of that talk before Rodney announced that uh, to the world in the pregame for Super Bowl 56? It's interesting, Trey. I had actually heard it. uh, Football buildings are small, but it's interesting. Some of the the, his teammates were talking about like, wow, this could be our last time, you know, last two weeks of practice with with Aaron Donald. So maybe – uh, it, it was kind of it was kind of a little bit of a chatter in the building, but when you hear things like that, you never, you know, you're still focused on on. And I don't know when you first heard the chatter, whether it was before the NFC Championship game or after we won it, things like that. But you, you're still focused on the big rocks of trying to uh, right finish the 2020 season, uh, 2021 season, in a special way. So you didn't you didn't necessarily think, okay, football players, it's been a long season, it's been a it's been a grind. Maybe, you know, everyone needs a break and things like that. But uh, so you, you heard the chatter. It wasn't when when Rod, it was probably a surprise that uh, it got out, but it wasn't surprised that, OK, yeah. that's that's a story, you know. So where are we on on that front? Are we feeling comfortable that Aaron is going to get something worked out and we'll, we'll be back here terrorizing people? You know, what we are trying to do right now, we're, we're trying to, you know, uh, restructure his contract, redo it a little bit and, and, yeah. and give him. Uh, you know, a raise, things like that. So from from everything Aaron has com- communicated to us is, hey, he wants to play football next year. He wants to uh, make sure we have the strongest team as possible so we can, in his words, attempt to run this thing back. So, uh, but it's his choice, but everything we've gotten to date is, is Aaron's going to play football. He's, uh, he, I know this, he's going to meet with uh, Sean today after working out in our facility. So he's coming over here to work out. And uh, he's going to meet with Sean and they're going to, you know, they're going to talk football. So, uh, hey, he's still going about his normal offseason routine, which is really put in hard work. That's just all he knows. That's how he does yeah. things. Well, that's got to make you feel good about it if, if it's if it's progressing along those lines. So you feel pretty confident that 99 will be lining up for the Rams when we oh, start this thing off that. in September. OK, perfect. Um, the hard part of this road like is, like you said, Von Miller came in, was a big part of it. He's gone to Buffalo. Uh Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, greatest nickname greatest of all time in sports, by the way, Bobby Trees. It really is. Um, obviously, that yeah, it's fantastic. That had to be a tough one, right? Because to see him get hurt when he got hurt, and you know, because he was such a big part of everything that you were going. These are the decisions I think that people don't understand. It's not just oh, we'll bring in Allen Robinson and replace Robert Woods, which is great because Allen Robinson's a great receiver. But there's so many personal things that go along with this. It's not just take out column A and insert column B. You know that. It's definitely not. It's, I mean, oftentimes it seems that way, right? Replace A yeah. with B and move on, and that's that sports. And there's also that side, right, where we brought in. I mean, Robert was part of the 2007, kind of our 2017 free agency class, and yep. we've had a lot of success since 2017, and wouldn't have had it without Bobby Trees, as as you said. But you know, because we felt like in 2022. This was the best thing for the Rams. Uh, but it, I, I mentioned to our – I did something with our local media earlier 
Trey, and, and they and they brought the question up and and because my my wife Kara has a Twitter account and, and the fans definitely let her know that uh, moving on from Bobby Trees was not definitely. I mean, in, in their minds, right? That that <laughs> yeah. was not the the right way to go about. It. And they asked about it, and I said, I often have talked to Kara that, and and I've had this happen, or we've had we've seen it happen in sports where I said, okay, in the moment where you make a trade like that, it's it's emotional. Uh, and and uh, Robert's a professional, so it's a shake hands. It's a really appreciate, you know, all we've accomplished, changing life, things like that in a professional way. But you always go, okay, there's no way you're personally on the top of his Christmas card list for next year. But you're yeah, always hoping yeah. that there is this moment in time when we're all done competing and right you you get get a chance to hang out somewhere maybe it's uh, uh you know maybe it's the hotel you know the pool bar in lanai and you get <laughs> to talk place. about the 2021 season you get to talk about the good moments and and you forget about okay the oh yeah the moment uh you know i was traded and things like that and i know uh you know we've seen that with the rams with with guys like james lair and i this chris long people like that that we've had to move on from but once once their careers are over, once the emotions are done with and, and they've had successful right careers, second chapters, even third chapters, right, you can kind of sit back and enjoy the good times and maybe not chat about, maybe even laugh about, okay, you remember when you had to make that call and you said my time with the Rams was over? Yeah, that's that's never the best call you want to make. But those are the decisions. I mean, that comes with the comes with the job. And speaking of the decisions, the other one out there is like where are you on Odell? Like, obviously, the game changed dramatically. Super Bowl 56 changed completely when Odell went down. You know, you, you can look at the numbers and the way the offense was progressing and then what happened after he went out. It was kind of weird. It was kind of like the adjustment you guys had when Robert Woods went out and you had the three-game losing streak and Odell sort of figured his way into the offense. It, it changed the Super Bowl dramatically, but thankfully you guys were able to finish it uh, from, from your perspective. So ha what kind of conversations have you had with Odell at this point? Odell, I mean, we definitely would like to have him back. And in and, and different circumstances this time, it could be very similar to this year. And I'm not going to get into, you know, his injury on, on this podcast, but because of the injury, it's sure. it's going to delay his his return to the game in the 2022 season. But we, we've kind of approached it very similar to last year, right? That, hey, our objective is to get Odell back with fresh legs, you know, for the stretch run there when he's ready to go. And, and that's exactly what happened uh, last year. And, and it's a little bit complex because of the injury, but that's our vision. Sure. Uh, and, and and we'll work through it with Odell. But it, you make a great point. Super Bowl change because we – it took a little bit for us to evolve when we did lose Robert Woods. And we lost yeah. – I mean, we, we – It was obvious. I mean, it was, he, did, he did so many okay. things. And we were – so, the I mean, we signed Odell. His first, Odell's first day as a Ram – that afternoon, Robert Woods tears his ACL. So Odell doesn't even, yeah. you know, he doesn't even know the playbook. So there's an element of, and, and they're different players with different skill sets, but there's an element, okay, we got to teach Odell the offense. And also the offense has got to take a couple of steps back. Like we, we're now no longer doing calculus three. You know, we may be at algebra two because we, we're teaching yeah. another player. the But as he evolved, I mean, when, but when he went down the Super Bowl, we were down Robert Woods. We were down, uh, yep. we were down Odell. We were down Tyler Higby. So it was probably yep. three of our key uh, skill eligibles out of the game, and and 
and that's the interact. I mean, we we like to uh, we have this word around here, and it, it's kind of a buzzword now in society. The the, the whole you know being anti fragile, right, and being being right. the being the iPhone that when you drop it doesn't it doesn't crack and it's over, right? You can pick that iPhone up and still use it. it and and the whole thing is is having that growth mindset after adversity like how do you use adversity to become stronger and the and the and the neat thing is to see in that super bowl right i mean i mean bryson hopkins like great he probably had more catches in the super bowl game than he has been active in two years as a ram like i'm not sure he's been active five times but he had five catches and and an important block on Cooper Cup's fourth and one uh, run, but but we always talk about hey, can we engineer an environment where okay, when when Bryson's called upon because we know in the NFL, right around the corner is adversity, but can we still be as strong? Can we still be the Los Angeles? Even though it may look different, it may not be as explosive, yeah. but can we still do what we need to do to win that game? Well, you certainly did. And before we move on to the other stuff, I want to talk to you about. I, I what I love most about the way the game played out for you guys is it was clear when Odell went out, the Bengals did everything to take Cooper cup out of the offense. We're going to double him. We're going to make Bryson Hopkins or somebody else try and beat us. What I loved on that final drive is basically Sean Stafford and Cooper said, F this, if we're going to go down or if we're going to win, we're going to do it with our best players. And that last drive was almost exclusively Stafford to Cooper Cup, double team be damned. You know what's interesting when you said that, Trey? I mean, I got chills sitting here because that's that's exactly. Well, you're welcome. That's exactly what happened, and, and I, I I may have heard this. I I know that's how Sean is. Hey, we're gonna. Hey, I can hear him on the headset. Hey, we're gonna ride with who got us here. So, let's roll. And and I and I know Sean did some things on, on that. You know that last drive to try to manipulate some things where you could you could get them in some regulated coverages and not make it as hard. And, and so Sean did his part. Matthew did his part. The offensive line did their part. Cooper did his part. And Sean says it all the time. Hey, you know, we got to be our best when the best is required if you're going to be a world champion, right? And, and yeah. boy, did you hit the nail on the head. Sean calling plays in that moment. Sean being a head coach in that moment, right? Keeping keeping uh, everyone poised because everyone, not just you, Trey, but our team knew it was going to be a different game when, when Odell went down because, yeah. because they were going to do some things to take uh, Cooper away. And then you go from Odell to – and nothing against Ben Skoranovic, and I'll get that name wrong all day long, yeah. our rookie from Notre Dame. <laughs> but you, you go from Odell to, to him. I mean, that's – Bengals are like, okay, we, we like it's this. It's different. This is, this yeah. is, this is what yeah. we take. And uh, so Sean Kevry won poison, and boy, Matthew – I mean, two weeks in a row, not necessarily two weeks in a row, probably three weeks in a row because uh, yeah. we did come back in the NFC Championship game. But going back to that that drive in Tampa where we had the big lead and because of the free turnovers, all of a sudden it's a game and then all of a sudden it's tied. But to see Matthew and Cooper do things, right, it, yeah, I call it in two-minute situations where, right, yeah, that, that's your season's going to be remembered by those drives and, boy, do they make the plays. And then I guess the the capper for you had to be Aaron Donald to essentially finish it, right? I mean that if you could script like you get you get Matthew that you brought over in the offseason to throw it to Cooper for the go ahead score, but to have Aaron Donald basically seal it, like if you're if you're a Los Angeles Rams fan, that's that that is literally the Hollywood ending. Yeah, I've heard people say that it was definitely 
right, right on brand. But if you would have scripted it, Hollywood wouldn't have made the movie because it was like, okay, that's that's not selling. That's too obvious, right? But and and again, yeah. if you think about football, right? And hey, they have plenty of time. They've got. I mean, Joe Burrow's been Mister Comeback. They've got a lot of skill. They're a really good offensive team. Their kicker had been on fire. So it doesn't it oh, doesn't God. take a lot for them to to get in field goal range. And and it, at worst for us being overtime. I mean, I shouldn't say that. At best for us being in overtime. At worst for us somehow they walk off with a touchdown. But to right to to get it to fourth down and Aaron Donald say, you know what, we're going to do a walk off sack, whatever they called that last play. Maybe it was an incomplete pass, but you know that. It was Aaron Donald yeah, doing Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, Donald did something, right? He 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 disrupted yeah. the play and either caused an incompletion or sack. I'd have given him a sack and it caused an incompletion yeah. on that play. Either one works for me. But either way, it was a result of someone that you took in the first round of the draft. And when we come back on this episode of Half Forgotten History with Les Steed, we're going to talk about the first round of the draft and why it's really not a thing anymore for the Rams. Stay with us. We're coming right back. All right, listen up, everybody. I understand your obsession with takeout and fancy brunches and late-night delivery. Luckily, so does today's sponsor. Food lovers meet the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Now, with this credit card, you get four times the points on restaurants, deliveries, takeout orders, and dine-in brunches, lunches, or dinners. Plus, Altitude Go gets you two times the points on groceries. Yes, even delivery, streaming services, and gas or EV charging station pit stops. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply and learn how you can earn 20,000 bonus points. You deserve a credit card that gives you more and more and even more. You deserve Altitude Go, NerdWallet's 2022 Best of Awards winner for Best Credit Card for Dining Benefits. Apply to become an Altitude Go cardholder at usbank.com slash altitude go. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated. Some restrictions may apply. All right, back with uh, Les Snead, the Rams GM, on this episode of Half Forgotten History. And I guess, Les, we should have known this was coming from you because you were the hired as Rams GM in February of 2012. And one of the first things you ever did as the GM of the Rams is trade away the second overall pick in the draft in 2012 to Washington for a couple of picks. And of course, that got Washington, the quarterback, RG3, who went on to be rookie of the year. But that sort of set the tone for things that you've done your entire career now. We're, we're, we're in a stretch where you're going to go seven straight years without using a first round pick on a player to draft. Second longest stretch in the history of the NFL in the, in the common draft era. What is it about your philosophy that allows you to be successful not using these picks? Well, it's it's fitting that you you talk about the 2012, the early days, and 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 certainly an inexperienced GM, so made plenty of mistakes. But it, I think the the first thing, a part of that equation, is being aware of right what window you're in, right? And at that point, uh, St. Louis had you know they had. They were coming off probably four. Or five they were years. bad. Yeah, bad. It, they it were was, really bad. If you look at the analytics, I think uh, we were thirty second in wins, and maybe ten games behind thirty one in a five year stretch. So, it, so being aware, okay, yeah. this was not, this was not a probably a little less complicated than going somewhere and having to having to tear it down, right? Having to get out of salary cap, uh, heck, hell, whatever they call it. This was this was total 
this was total rebuild. So being aware then, right, we were, we were doing all we could to collect as many early picks, first round picks uh, as possible, right, to to uh, right to acquire young players and and with the vision and the hope that we hit on those players like Aaron Donald and they become core men. And when they become core members, if there's any way, right, we can, uh, right, break through. If we're fortunate enough to break through at that point, the, the window changes. And I, I think that's, that's what's led to, right, the philosophy of now is, okay, we're in a different window. We, we know we have a chance to compete for the vision. And at different moments, you, you are aware that, okay, we're, we're playing well enough that we have a chance to be one of 32. And and when you are in that window and you you're aware that you you have a chance to be one of thirty two, and even in this year's playoffs, right when we got to the final eight, those divisional rounds, all the playoff games, they were so close. I mean, any one of those eight teams, right, had a chance, a legitimate chance to be world champions. But uh, I think what we've tried to say is, all right, when we feel like we're in that window, let's let's try to think differently. Let's try to maybe do some things differently, and let's try to. And, and in this case, I'll the old cup here. Right. And it's not necessary. That's the, that's the fun look at it, but it, it's really, okay. Yeah. How can we use those picks, uh, right. To make the most of the window we're in. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's actually taking players at those picks. Sometimes it's, it's trading back from, we have had a first rounder in the last seven years. We just traded back into the second round to collect another second round pick. So, uh, but it, it's trying to use them in, in different ways to maybe give us that edge on those other 31 players or 31 teams. It, it, it is very successful. I mean, since you and McVeigh have sort of been together running this, you guys have never had a losing season. You missed the playoffs once at nine and seven, but had they had the seventh seed, you would have been the seventh seed that you, you've been to two Super Bowls and, and won one of them. Do you think people are looking at the way you've approached using those number one picks differently now based on the success you've had? The answer would be probably I would be lying if I didn't think yes, but I don't think it's just all us. I think we've seen in the last five years, right, teams do things a little bit differently. Teams be uh, uh, maybe a little bit out of the box, maybe a little more creative, maybe a little more aggressive in in right attacking, you know, going for things. So uh, and I think that's just the nature of the league. We have 32 team leagues, so there's there's only 32 basically case studies, right, that you can study on maybe how to do things. And and there's only so many teams in different eras, you know, winning. So, but I think in the last five years, certainly a, a lot different than than when I got in the league in the, in the late 90s, like how things are being done. But I, I certainly would say that uh, it's – I don't want to say it's a copycat league, but it is a league where we, we all analyze other teams, uh, right, other, you know, successful teams and what are they doing? And is there anything maybe we can take? Does it, does it align with what we're, what we're thinking? But I, I think it's all about teams being aware. Cause I would say this uh, trade, there could be some teams that are, that are maybe letting players establish players go. And that doesn't mean they're all in, but it could mean, Hey, they're all in on a rebuild. Right. And, and they're very well aware that wow, we we not be we may not be good enough right now to make the most of that player's career, right? And and okay, can we acquire draft picks and 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 hopefully draft well? So I mean, teams can be all in in the I don't want to say the opposite, but in the other direction, and then it work out in in a few years. I mean, we we've, we've seen that happen. 
Right. And other teams have been aggressive. But, I mean, we're talking, again, historically, only one other team has gone longer than you guys. Uh, that would be the George Allen over the hill era of the late 60s and 70s in Washington, where they went 11 straight years without using a first-round pick. The Joe Gibbs era, where they won uh, three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks in the 80s. They have done what you've done seven straight years seven, without and, a first-round pick. And then what I – a lot of times, right, and this is obvious, but on the other end of – uh, those not using the seven round picks in the draft, right? There is a, Hey, there is a, uh, all pro corner, right. In Jalen Ramsey. There's, there's, yeah. there's, uh, you know, Brandon <laughs> cooks, you use one on Brandon, Brandon cooks. cooks. There's a, there's a Matthew Stafford. So there, there are players on the, on the other side of it, which, you know, so that that's, that's the positive of it. And, and, and there's a, we, we do a lot of analysis on, when you're a team and you're usually uh, right in the, in the running for the playoffs, you're you're picking in the late twenties. So you know our analysis, whether we're right or wrong, you know there's like there's okay. Basically, what we're saying in common sense is okay. If we're picking twenty five, would it be better for us to to use that twenty fifth pick on a on maybe a, a top five or top ten talent who's already basically reached top five? or top 10 potential. Right. So right. it's lived up to that billing and, and instead of uh, waiting and, and picking a, a player who might be more in the, in the level of that, you know, late first round. So that's kind of our thought process. The other boring part of it, Trey is this year we have eight draft picks, but we're able to do what we can do because, you know, I call it, we, we debt we're definitely disciplined in utilizing the compensatory pick formula. So we have five sure. compensatory picks this year, counting the Brad Holmes pick. So we go from three picks to eight based on being disciplined uh, and creative during this free agency time. And, and right when we lose players and who do we sign and, and what are the UFAs or, or free agents that, you know, the players that maybe get cut, we call them cap casualties, things like that, that do not disrupt the comp formula and allows us to, to recoup those picks because and now I'm boring your audience, but if we hadn't had a first round pick in, in, in those years, we have been a team that's, that's probably had, I think we've had the fourth most uh, draft picks during that time frame, Right. So we acquire a lot of picks. There's not in the first. No. I, and again, listen, as a guy that's done the draft for years, your team is built on that third day. I mean, that's, that's most of your team. And, and, you know, it's like anything else you see the flash, but you realize the stake is what's more important. But, but to do what you guys have done, two things have to be true, right? You have to understand that when maybe you've made a mistake uh, and you have to make sure you draft really well, like get a Robert Woods, uh, not in the first round, get a Cooper Cup, not in the first round. And, and when I say mistake, I want to be clear. You, you traded away two first picks to get Jared Goff and you got to a certain level and then you realized it might not be the guy we need to get us the next level. So we'll get two more first-round picks to get a guy we think is a lot better. You, you have to be willing sort of to double down on the philosophy. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's exactly what occurred with, with Jared there, right? You, if, if the Matthew Stafford opportunity, and, I, uh, and we like to term them opportunities, hadn't come right. to fruition, right, we, we, we might not have just said, hey, let's just go use a, two first-round picks on, on any QB. We, we, we looked at our model and felt like, okay, Matthew, you know, could move the needle. But you, it's, you, you bring up covering the draft, right? We're – I, I, I'm not, I've never done the ratings on draft day, but I'm pretty sure Thursday's probably better than Friday and, and Saturdays. Yep. We like to do our work on Saturdays where 
where when you're covering the draft, you're interviewing the college coaches, right? And the draft picks are coming in yeah. and they're scoring so fast. Nobody knows who's getting picked. So that's when we're, that's when we're doing our work and, and uh, y'all on television are kind of interviewing the college coaches and trying to figure out, you know, who the guard from Bowling Green is. Yeah. Or Northern Iowa this year. Uh, he looks oh, really He's going to be a Thursday um, night guy. Yeah, he's got he he had a little nasty in him, by the way, at the at the uh, at the Senior Bowl, I, and I, I I like that in him. But okay, so here's the question: Like, what would it take for me to have you commit right now to use your 2024 first round draft pick? Like, what what would you need to guarantee that in the in the first yeah. round of the 2024, the Rams are actually going to make a selection? Uh, I think if you told me there would be a player who would play as well as Aaron Donald did at that 20 in 2024, wherever we're picking, I think, okay, we would, I would somehow find a safe and lock that pick in a safe. Now that, that, that safe would have to have some, definitely some good encryption, encrypted, whatever software, because we'd certainly try to break in, even though we knew that Trey has said, (laughs) there's going to be the next Aaron Donald in that 24 draft. I guarantee you we'd try to break into that safe. Uh, there'd be some opportunity that would come available, but it might take something like that. Because, right, you know, I, I work with Caesars, so I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what the odds are. Would would you, if you were a betting man, Lesney, would you say you'd be more likely to use that draft pick or more likely to parlay that draft pick into something else? I'm trying to think, how many years have I been a GM? How many years, no first round pick? The math, even though it's a small sample size when it comes to, data but the math says uh bet it would it be betting the under that no they're they're not going to use the first pick i whatever the term would be i would the math says we're not going to pick in the first round in 2024 and then you'd be three three closer to matching george allen that would be eight straight years without a first round pick the the record's 11 oh i know george allen's gang they went 11 straight years without using one that is well, see now, I now I feel like I've given you a goal. Now well, I feel like you're like, okay, maybe we can make it to twelve. You know, and it, it, it brings to a good point that would again bore everyone listening to the podcast. But we do a lot of work here to go make sure. Okay, the how do we how do we make decisions without personal biases, basically? So now that I have that in my brain, that there's a record to break. You know, you want to, you always want to sit down and make the best decision for the Rams and not right go after yeah. George Allen's record, even though that record seems like not one that's worth hanging on the wall at all. But uh, it depends. I mean, unless you get a couple more rings out of it, then it's you can hang it on the. You know rings, what? If, right? if we do, and put it right here. There, there is, and that would be another reason to either not use the twenty fourth pick or, or or use the first round pick in 2024 or not would be, okay, if you could guarantee that if we didn't use it, we'd win a couple more, then, oh, yeah, let's not use it. Let's go after the George Allen record. So for the record, I have put it into the Les Snead stratosphere that potentially there's a record he might want to break, which is going 11 or 12 straight years without using a first round pick to draft a player available in the draft. Why don't we take our second break here? When we come back, I want to talk to Les real quick about a couple of things that have gone on in the NFL recently and want to get your take on it. Stay with us. We're coming right back on Half Forgotten History with Les Snead. All right, listen up, everybody. I understand your obsession with takeout and fancy brunches and late night delivery. Luckily, so does today's sponsor. Food lovers meet the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Now, with this credit card, you get four times the points on restaurants, deliveries, takeout orders, and dine-in brunches, lunches, or dinners. Plus, 
Altitude Go gets you two times the points on groceries. Yes, even delivery, streaming services, and gas or EV charging station pit stops. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply and learn how you can earn 20,000 bonus points. You deserve a credit card that gives you more and more and even more. You deserve Altitude Go, NerdWallet's 2022 Best of Awards winner for Best Credit Card for Dining Benefits. Apply to become an Altitude Go cardholder at usbank.com slash Altitude Go. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated. Some restrictions may apply. All right, back with Les Snead here on Half Forgotten History. And Les, I always say there's no offseason in the NFL. There's preseason, regular season, postseason, and what I call the player procurement season, which is free agency, draft, all that kind of stuff, which is where we are right now. And something dramatic has changed this player procurement season. And that's the contract that the Cleveland Browns gave to Deshaun Watson. And forget all the other stuff that are looming over Deshaun Watson. That's a that's a separate conversation for the Cleveland Browns and the league and Deshaun to have to deal with. But that's a fully guaranteed contract at $230 million. And if a guy can get a fully guaranteed contract at $230 million with all that stuff looming over him, is that the future? Are we going to see more fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL? You know, it's interesting. It could be the future or the past. And and I and I the first thing I thought of, and if if and again, take everything out on the on the Sean. And if and again, I don't know this at all. This is me like you following people like you and listening to the situation, right? If Deshaun actually said to the Cleveland Browns, uh, we're gonna pass. And at that point, he says to, and I think it was right, Atlanta, New Orleans, you two are in. Yep. Uh, it, it, it all, it, the, the, the one thing that came to my mind is when I was fortunate enough to break into this league in the mid-90s with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we were an expansion team, we, we got a lot of flack because we, right, we, we had, you had the salary cap, you had money to spend, but you didn't have a lot of veteran players. So there was an element to get players to come from established teams to, to do a build as an expansion team, we had to, in those days, we got a lot of flack for overpaying players, right? Re- right. Resetting the market. So I do think- By the way, Jacksonville's been so bad, they're still doing that, just so you know. I, but you know what's interesting? I got really spoiled, Trey, in that my first year in 1996 with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and again, I'm, I'm an entry level, no one, but we go to the AFC championship game and you know, and I think their first year, their first season was 95, so 96. So there was a, there was an element there of, of that philosophy worked in, in during Tom's early years. There was some pretty good – there was a, a good run there uh, for Jacksonville, early success. But that was the first thing that came to mind is, okay, right, this is a competitive league, and, and right, it, there is – there's everyone's trying to get an edge. So how, how, how does the Browns, right, win uh, – win the sweepstakes for Deshaun and, and they felt like that would do it. So I do think there's an, an element that, yes, you, we will see that right come to the NFL. And, and it, you know, it's not going to be everyone. It's not going to be every contract. And it, it, it might, it might stay with quarterbacks early because of the value of the position, but I, yeah. I, I don't think that's the first and last. And I, and I think teams have been doing this, maybe not with fully guaranteed contracts, but, with with resetting markets based on right based on where they're at and trying to recruit and, and lure players to come play for them. 
Because the other thing about it, I mean, he wasn't a free agent. I mean, he, he had a deal in place, and obviously there was a lot of things that went into that whole process. But, I mean, like, this guy wasn't even legitimately a free agent, and he was able to broker this deal. It feels like it's a major power shift towards play. You know, it, I, I definitely – I think it's – there's a lot of variables. I don't think it's just power and players, but I I agree with you on on that. And I, I think it's, a again, a shift in, in, in paradigms from uh, – front offices from ownership, right? And, 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 and for whatever reason, Houston, based on all that went on there, felt like, you know what, this is a, this is a way for us to acquire a lot of, right, really, really quality draft capital, start over and, and rebuild this, right, I'm sure in their vision, the right way. And, and that's what I think is, has been the shift as well is, is I, I think back to, to Joe Thomas's career, right? And it was, Kind of at the end of his career, yeah. do you trade Joe Thomas? Do you not? And how do you trade Joe Thomas? But and, and maybe he was right there before there was a shift in this paradigm of, okay, do we? Is it better for us to, right? I even want to say set Joe free and let him maybe go try yeah. to win because uh, maybe he wants to be a, a Cleveland Brown. But it, there's this shift where maybe he would like to finish his career as a, a, a winner. Maybe it's best for that team that's trying to become a winner. To write, uh, you know, trade him for for draft capital and and, and begin the rebuild because yeah. it's sometimes it's tough to rebuild when you have, right? You have this veteran and you feel like you're almost doing him a disservice, right? He may be one of your better players, but you're kind of going six and ten or six and eleven, so whatever. The, I can't even do the math anymore now that we have, right. you know, uh, ten games or seventeen, 17 games. games. Well, it's funny you say that because I don't know if you know the story. We had Joe on the podcast and like in his last couple of years when Denver was going to those Super Bowls with Peyton, Peyton called him and said, hey, you're going to have to work your way out of here if you want to go here. And Peyton told him, it's a true story. Peyton told him to go up to the GM's office. I can't remember who it was because Cleveland goes to GM's like most people go through Kleenex uh, and said, go take a dump on his desk. And that way you can come get traded to Denver. And Joe's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Well, you know, and that's. That's one way to do it. But I do think there is a, an element too when you're someone like Joe, if you go to the GM, if you go to the team, if you go to the ownership, right, and and, and have a sit down and have a conversation and go, look, we've been trying to do this with me here. I would really appreciate, right, having an opportunity maybe not to continue trying to do it again, right? Uh, Matthew Stafford man, probably did that in Detroit. Like, okay, here's another regime, another offense that I had to learn. Maybe it I would love to 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 maybe move on, catch a breath of fresh air, not have to start over here again. And and I think uh, you have the rational conversation instead of taking the dump on the desk. And and I and I think uh, <laughs> I think people like myself, people like a lot of our owners in the league, will listen, respect that human being, and, and try to do what's best for the organization. That's your number one responsibility, but also right. for those pillars, right? In a, in our Robert Woods situation that we just went through. It, I mean, it's tough enough to make the call that, okay, hey, we're going to start reaching out teams to see if we can find a trading partner. But then it's, okay, let's work with Robert, right? Uh, try to find him a place that he is jacked to go. That You know, this third chapter for him is where he wants to go, not just where he might not want to go. And I think because of Robert, who he was, we, were, we, we, we worked with him and his agent, Andrew Kessler, and, and we were able to, uh, to come to that conclusion. We've gotten to the mountaintop. We've we've sort of avenged the Super Bowl 53 loss. Now you guys find yourselves in the position that no team has 
been able to pull off since the Patriots did it in Super Bowls 38 and 39, which is run it back, which was the theme of Sean McVay talking to Aaron Donald during the LA championship parade. Do you think about it that way? Or do you think about it? Whatever happened last year is irrelevant. It's a brand new season. You know, I, th- I do think uh, I would, the, the answer is no, I don't think it's a, a brand you, we try to treat it like a brand new season, right? Because it is technically a brand new season. We're going to be a different team. Other teams are going to want to do what we did in 21 and 22. So it is, that is true. Black and white binary. It's a different season. Now, with that being said, only one team has a chance to do what you said the Patriots did. So, right, we're, we're the only team in 2022 who can do that. So we're aware of that, and I think we intentionally tried to, again, we're new at this. Patriots, not so new at it, right? It's like, okay, what do we do intentionally in the offseason? Number one is to renew first, right, to get away. 17 games plus uh, playoffs, that's a long, long season. So to even have a chance, everyone's got to come back fresh, not just physically, but also probably spiritually, mentally. And then, hey, what do we do intentionally during OTAs, maybe during uh, training camp, right, to to begin that that quest to to run it back or, or repeat? Because there's only one chance to get, you know, there's only one team that gets that chance every year. The other 31 are, you know, and trust me, if you're, you don't have to re- you don't have to repeat for it to be sweet. So if if one of the other thirty one or is is the champion this year, they'll, they'll they're going to enjoy that one. I can tell them that for sure. Would it be considered a failure for you guys if you don't run it back? Like, how do you treat that? Because only one team feels like they're successful every I, the year. The way right? you, I think the, I think we intentionally for sure, Trey, and this is all if you want to call it. I don't want, I mean, coach speak, boring speak, but we intentionally. It's hard to. We never like to say, hey, a season is a success. We, we always say this, this isn't a pass or fail situation, right? This is a journey, uh, and how do we make this journey successful? And the only way to truly make it successful is to right, attack what's in front of you. So, again, uh, we always say you, climbing Everest and, and, get, and saying you got to get to the top, right? is either, you know, you don't just pass or fail that. So what right. we try to do is this. Let's look at what we control in front of us and let's try to pass that test and and take that thing one at a time and and, and you go from there. But it, it's it's hard to look at this and to go, wow, we're going to spend, uh, let's say, let's just say the first day of the league year is the begin beginning of the 2022 journey and say, hey, you've got to go win one game, the last game, or you fail the class for the, you know, for the semester per se. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, you're still uh, uh, in basking in the glow of what happened at SoFi. Um, Les, I always appreciate your time. I appreciate our conversations. And I look forward to you going 12 straight years without using a first draft pick. I appreciate that. You know, it, it, again, we'll, we'll do it <laughs> if you can guarantee we get a, you know, a, few, a little bit more of the uh, hardware, silverware, whatever we call it, or on the, you know, to put on the mantle. Do the Aaron Donald thing. Just get the ring. Once again, thanks to Les Need for joining us. And again, thanks to Les for wearing the Kurt Rambis Rambis Youth glasses, uh, keeping that L.A. championship tradition going uh, after the Super Bowl win. But we got a lot more draft coverage for you. Look, if you say the words NFL draft, I'm sure one name comes to mind more than anybody else's, and that's Chris Berman's. What? Boom, 
was the thing that made the draft the thing. He made it an event, and we have a very special episode talking about all his draft history with Chris Berman coming up next. We'll see you then.